on your mark, get set, let's go. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. Mister, will you please wake up? Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Good morning, Kevin Durant. You should have never left California. This bronze sexual upset me in oh, having man. to bring this teenage idiot from Wisconsin into a sports conversation. Are you really surprised that the Cowboys are giving up on Ezekiel Elliott? Oh, hell no. Well, no one cares about baseball. Bitch, are you for real? Good morning. Welcome to the Wacky Wednesday edition of Snowman in the Morning. And for those of you watching on the television feed, if it looks like I've been up all night, I have been up all night. Oh, I've been busy. And I'll leave it at that. How are we doing, everybody? It's the Wacky Wednesday edition of Snowman in the Morning. Glad to have you guys with us. Waiting for my partner, Cole Johnson, to make his appearance. He should in a couple of moments. I'm going to begin with a question. I'm going to, well, actually, I'm going to begin by saying hello to Mr. Ryan McCoffey, first one in this morning. And I want to tell Ryan and tell the rest, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys so very much. Y'all see that L the Lakers took last night, even though LeBron scored, what, 46 points? Who cares? Who cares? Let me let me find it. Let me find it. So LeBron scored 46 points. Does anybody really care? Okay, good answer. Especially since the Lakers took one big gigantic fat ass. Jazz Lakers. That I'll hold for our two. I will one. We'll talk some football, and I'll fill the time. Uh, Cole just told me he he'll be in momentarily. Picture this: your team is down to its third-string quarterback. And everybody else wrote you off. Everybody else wrote them off. Well, that's will be the end of them. They're not going to do anything. Instead, they're one win away from going to Phoenix, Arizona in the Super Bowl. And, of course, I'm talking about Mr. Brock Purdy and my beloved San Francisco 49ers. 
the shows. I'm gonna lead in. I'm gonna lean on this now. As much of a fan as I am of one Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe the 49ers have their quarterback of the future right now. They can ship Trey Lance elsewhere, recoup some draft picks. You can take the money that you paid Trey Lance. Hey, you can give part of it to Christian McCaffrey. You can work out a deal where you can keep McCaffrey in the Bay for at least five years. But even though they only scored 19 points on Sunday, have you noticed how this offense has done nothing but sing since Brock Purdy took over? They're averaging 32 and a half points since Brock Purdy took over in the Miami game. 32 and a half points. The real key to the 49ers run is not only Brock Purdy, but Christian McCaffrey. Look at how well they're working together. And the resurgence, and Victor loves this loves this name. And good morning to you, Victor. And the resurgence of one George the Animal Kittle. At the end of the regular season, George Kittle, in the last four games, I should say, of the regular season, you know George Kittle caught seven touchdown passes? Finished with 11 on the year. It's another all-pro year for, for Stone Cold Kittle. The defense is... You fill in the blank. Matter of fact, for those in the for those in the chat, uh, Ryan McCarthy, Sick Diggy from Norway, Victor Locke, and uh, A Pizzle. Good morning to you, Hawk TV. Good morning to you. Fill in the blank of the adjective. Fill in the blank with an adjective that you believe best describes the 49ers' defense. Now, I'm going to say a sentence that are going to have a lot of people looking at me. Victor lock in on the on the fun. Brock Purdy has a poise that even most veterans don't have in the pocket. Yeah, it's true. George the animal kiddo eating footballs like turnbuckles. Yep. That defense of the 49ers <laughs> and Victor began with a light term, tenacious. Dominant, unstoppable, says Sick Diggy. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. I'll use them all. I'll say them all because they all apply. They all apply. The Niners defense is rabid. Yep. Savage. You know what the scariest adjective I can put on this 49er defense The scariest adjective I can put on this 49er defense, healthy. Even with the domestic 
allegations, and they're all allegations right now against Charles Amenahu, who has since posted bail. Amenahu is a big part of that defense. Samson Epicom, big part of that defense. I don't even have to say anything about the defensive player of the year in Nick Bosa. I'm sorry, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is a stud, but you got Nicholas John Bosa, who has been a leader of that defense. He lost the 2020 season due to a gruesome injury that occurred in New Jersey. But since then, Nick Bosa has been Nick Bosa. Period. Or as George Kittle says best, Bosa. Keep the adjectives coming to describe. Matter of fact, give me some adjectives in the chat to describe Brock Purdy. I see a couple poise. How do you describe that of a rookie? Experience. Three years as a starter in high school. Four years as a starter at Iowa State. Hawk TV says, imagine if they're able to get his brother somehow. (laughs) A, that would take a miracle. And B, the 49ers are fine right where they are. You know who returned to the 49ers defense and is really going to help them come Sunday in Philadelphia? Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw is healthy after the last after two years of dealing with knee issues. He's finally healthy. He's finally healthy. Mm. Micah Parsons was the only one to give the 49ers offense pause. Yeah, but they figured it out. They were supposed to bury, and according to Cowboy fans, Victor Locke not included in this conversation. The, 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 the Cowboys, according to most of the major pundits, were supposed to just bury the 49ers in the dirt in, San Franc- in Santa Clara. No. No. 49ers did what a veteran team does. They figured it out as they went along. And Kyle Shanahan is one of the best coaches at improvisation. Go back and look at the tape from Sunday. There were so many plays that went off script. That got the 49ers something huge. And that play action pass to George Kittle. And Kittle did his part by concentrating on that ball and hauling it in. But the story for me is Brock Purdy. Even with all the other parts it begins and ends with number 13. I originally thought, okay, let's see what this kid can do in a pressure situation. Because if you think about it, he's been in this pressure situation since he took over. He's been in a pressure cooker since he took over because 
not hardly anybody gave him gave him a chance to do anything. Surprise, surprise. And now he and the 49ers face their toughest test in Philadelphia. And the biggest part of the 49ers resurgence, and thank you, Hawk TV, for mentioning it. I was going there next. Their offensive line. Because after we got the hell beat out of us against Kansas City, 44-23 in week seven, they went to Los Angeles and began piecing it together and began putting together their game plan. Because if you think about it, against Kansas City, you didn't see much of McCaffrey. You didn't see much of Christian McCaffrey. But beginning with week eight, man, you saw everything that can come about. You saw everything that can come about with this 49ers offense. And you know what the scary part is? I don't think they've opened the entire playbook. Victor Locke, unfortunately, a lot of Cowboys fans, as Lewis Black would say, my people, they look at the numbers and not the flow of the game. Exactly. You know who else does that? Fans of one Aaron Rodgers, who needs to retire, who needs to hang him up because he sucks. Here's my other statement that's going to really, really, really mess people up and have people like Rod West looking at me strange. The dynasty has just begun. The dynasty, the restart of the dynasty has just begun. So your Patriots, Rod West, are not going to the Super Bowl next year unless they get an offensive coordinator that actually knows what the hell he's doing. And Bill O'Brien ain't a good offensive coordinator. I hate to inform you of this, but he ain't a good offensive coordinator. Hasn't been for a while. Did you see what happened at Alabama? Let's take a break. When we come back, more of the beginning of our breakdown of championship weekend. And I'll tell you why, and I'll start with the NFC and tell you why it's going to be a low-scoring game and why it's going to be a slobber knocker. Because we take this job so serious. The f*** is that? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, pardon me. My apologies. What in the all types of blue hell? This is Snowman in the Morning with Cole Johnson. Most certainly is. Wacky Wednesday version thereof. And we are presented in part by the Be Daring Foundation. Go to BeDaringFoundation.org for more information. So I had a few comments come my way since I went to break. Stop foolish talk about y'all becoming a dynasty again. What's the matter? 
quarterback play sucks in New England now. What's the matter, Rod? Don't have the running game that you needed? What's the matter? Lack of playoffs getting on your nerves? What's the matter? Wishing that uh, Mac Jones was Brock Purdy in terms of his play, in terms of his poise, in terms of leading his team. Because the Patriots will not see the playoffs ever again. Ever. And if you think Bill O'Brien is going to be the reason y'all get back in the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl next year in Las Vegas, I got news for you. There's a team in Santa Clara or there's a team in Philadelphia that wants to think other that likes to think otherwise. The morning brew from Mr. McAfee is the tiramisu. Did I say that right, Ryan? Uh, From Invader Coffee this morning. I didn't get any coffee this morning yet. I'll have to wait until after the program to get to uh, do so. That NFC Championship on Sunday is going to be a slobber knocker because you have two of the best defenses locking heads with two budding stars on offense. I'm talking about Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy. Now, I already gave my flowers to Brock Purdy in the 49er offense. Now it's time for me to do the same for Philadelphia. And Jalen Hurts. So, anybody see the way he's played this year? He was the 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 runaway MVP until he got injured. Okay, so Rob wants to go back and forth. I'll come back to Philadelphia in just a moment. My Patriots are going to win the AFC East next year. Oh, really? Even with the gigantic. (laughs) Took against the Buffalo Bills in week 17. That. You're counting on that. Really? Get out of here. I'll swat you away like a fly. The pick me up says, uh. Victor Locke. Uh, Sick Diggy throws a question at me. So what's the status of Jimmy Garoppolo? Is he even available? Won't know until the offseason. He will not play this Sunday. They've made the ruling and said that Jimmy Garoppolo is out for Sunday. So this is all on the shoulders of uh, Brock Purdy. Jalen Hurts indeed put the league on notice this year. But because of the injury he had that kept him out a couple of weeks, I think he surrendered the MVP to one Patrick Mahomes. Hell, to be perfectly honest, I think he surrendered the MVP to Joe Burrow. Didn't think about that, did you? And no one else will either. But back to what I was talking about before I was so rudely interrupted by one Rod West who thinks his Patriots are going to win the AFC East. And an additional thought, the Patriots are going to get buried in the AFC East next year. Buried. Jalen Hurts is all main. 
That Philadelphia Eagles team on defense is all main. Man alive. This NFC championship, and we're going to dive more into it on Friday when we do our foot, when we uh, do our picks on Friday. I said it when the matchup came about, and I'm going to continue to say it. Sunday is going to be a slobber knocker. Keep your questions coming. I'll I'll, I'll answer them. Would Josh Johnson be available Sunday? Yes. Matter of fact, I'm looking at that right now, and I will provide a, a, a better answer. Victor Locke throws a question at me. If Brock Purdy loses, does he go back to learning from Jimmy G for another year? No. I believe he doesn't. Brock Purdy is the 49ers quarterback going forward, period. Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl. What does that do for the first-round quarterback that played earlier this year? They sent him packing. We found our guy. With all the linked reports, with all the linked reports of either Tom Brady coming back to the Bay or Aaron Rodgers coming back to the Bay, nope, don't need him. Don't need him. Matter of fact, Kyle Shanahan says that that, uh, he'll be very surprised, according to the Sporting News. Kyle Shanahan would be, quote, very surprised, unquote, if 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo practices ahead of the NFC championship. And so would I, given the severity of his injury. I jokingly said, after we got beat up by the Chiefs, that the 49ers would run the table for the rest of the season. And I will be very honest. Did I expect them to win 10 in a row to close out the season? No, I didn't. Am I happy they did? Hell yeah. Somebody ban Victor Locke, please. I'm kidding. Do not ban Victor Locke, sick. I'd like Jimmy to come to Dallas. Um, Victor, that ain't going to happen for two reasons. And I'll put both reasons in the form of a question. Who's in charge? I may as well make this a fan chat segment. Got any other, got any other questions about the NFC championship? Put them in the chat for me. And I'll answer them while I, while I talk about what's going to happen Sunday. It's going to be some hitting. It's going to be some running. It's going to be cold in Philadelphia, but it's like John Madden said before the, before the NFC championship of 92, a game like that, you're going to eventually get to running. Who's going to, the 49ers have the more superior run game. 
Here's why I think that. They don't have to depend on Brock Purdy to run the football. They have a four-back stable. The the Eagles have two great running backs in Boston Scott and Miles Sanders. Problem is, who's going to be the bell cow for that offense? The bell cow for our running offense is a split, actually, between Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. And we just got Mitchell back from an injury before the wild card game. Now we're playing for the NFC Championship. We're playing for the Hallis Trophy. Son of a gunslinger. This is the only game in this run where I, as a 49er fan, am completely nervous. When I say completely nervous, I mean that I'm completely nervous because I have a rooting interest in both teams. I love what Philadelphia has built over the past couple of years. And, of course, I've loved my 49ers since 1981. I've already made my prediction. I'm going to repeat my prediction this Friday, but I'm going to say it here. I think the 49ers take him. And it will be razor thin and very close. The biggest question is going to be for San Francisco. Can they get to Jalen Hurts? Because mobile quarterbacks, even given this defensive line, has always given us problems, big-time problems. And Jalen Hurts is about as mobile as they come. Hell, for 15 minutes, and I'm talking about the fourth quarter, we couldn't get to Patrick Mahomes to save our lives. Therein is the big question. Can the 49ers defense get to Jalen Hurts? I believe they can bottle everybody else up. The secondary is going to have to play lights out. Secondary is going to have to play lights out because Dallas showed that you can throw over the top. When it, t- when it came time to buckle down, the Niners' defense, including the secondary, buckled down. Period. They buckled down. But which defensive line is going to have the better game in collapsing the young quarterback on the verge of going to the Super Bowl? And believe me, Brock Purdy is going to be there a while. This 49ers team is going to be there a while. All right? Jalen Hurts is 24. Brock Purdy just turned 23. I believe they have at least five NFC championships within them in both places, in Santa Clara and in Philadelphia. This first matchup is going to be Philadelphia. Victor Locke, we need a quarterback with the mental toughness that if their cage gets rattled, they can recover. That's what Purdy did. That's what Jimmy does. And that's what Dak fails to do. Here's the problem, Victor. Let me put this comment up here. Here's the problem, Victor. You pay Dak Prescott. Let me repeat that. 
Y'all paid Dak Prescott. You hyped him up. You drafted him. You hyped him up. You thought he was going. You thought he was going to be the quarterback of the future. And in seven years, Dak Prescott has not done a doggone thing. Hell, and injured Jimmy Garoppolo's won more playoff games than Dak Prescott. What does that tell you? And Rod West is coming at me again. Ricky Waters greater than Roger Craig. No debate. Um, Rod, both of those running backs are better than any of your favorites. And you can put an equal sign to uh, Ricky Waters and Roger Craig. Do you even know how to debate, my brother? No? Good answer. Because we take this job so serious. I'm sorry. I, I did that all wrong. I did that all wrong. My bad. Let's do it right, will you? Uh, oh, God. Brother Guess. I'm so glad, Ryan, that you here on Coffee with McCarthy. I love you. What in the all types of blue hell? This is Snowman in the Morning with Cole Johnson. Yeah, what in the all types of blue hell was that? Oh, welcome back to the Wednesday edition of Snowman in the Morning. Uh, 38 after the hour. And my background's acting foolish again. I apologize for that, folks. I'm going to take those off. A Pizzle fixed the statement. Roger Craig is greater than Ricky Waters. There we go. Fixed it. Thank you, A Pizzle. I know I said I was going to talk baseball, but I'm going to talk Hall of Fame, too, because there is a travesty. There is an absolute travesty. Matter of fact, matter of fact, where where is it? Let me Let me find that button that I need right about now. And the button I need right about now includes a take. The take is this. Roger Craig belongs in the Hall of Fame, period. Now that I got the direct statement out of the way, let me break down why. And there's only one reason. And one reason only as to why I feel Roger Craig belongs in the Hall of Fame. And that reason goes this way. Thousand, thousand season. He was the first to do it. Now you honor Marshall Falk because he did it. You honor Christian McCaffrey because he did it. Hell, you honored Marshall Falk with a Hall of Fame induction. Why won't you do it for the guy that originated the the, the thousand, thousand season? The original jackknife running back. Why is that? If you're looking at overall numbers, then I can then I can get it. Then I can understand. But Roger Craig improved a position in an offense, and it's because of everyone else in the offense that uh, that you know overshadowed Roger Craig, and for that matter, John Taylor. I'll do a take on John Taylor on Friday. 
but you can't have Montana to Rice or to Taylor without Roger Craig. Roger Craig was the bell cow in that offense. Roger Craig, for about five seasons, was the man in that offense. And remember, he started as a fullback when he came into the league because the running back at that time was Wendell Tyler. The running back at that time that Roger Craig was drafted out of Nebraska was Wendell Tyler. And they clicked for a while. But then came the drafting of Tom Rathman. Another fellow who should be in the Hall of Fame, along with Daryl Johnston, along with Jay Novacek, along with Brent Jones. You know, those are guys that get always get overshadowed. Those are guys that always get overshadowed. That group I just named. That group I just that group I just named always gets overshadowed because of who they played with. Of course, Daryl the Moose Johnston played with Troy Aikman and the 90s Cowboys, Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, and Emmett Smith. But Emmett Smith paid homage to Daryl Johnston in his Hall of Fame speech. Emmett Smith said, quote, people don't understand what it took to be a fullback in our system, close quote. You can say the same for Tom Rathman with Roger with Roger Craig behind him. Roger Craig is one of the biggest reasons why the 49ers dynasty exploded. Nobody knew who the hell Roger Craig was. To a point, nobody cared who Roger Craig was. But then you put him in that Bill Walsh system. Not Bill O'Brien, Rob West. You put him in that Bill Walsh system. And Sick Diggies laid a perfect perfect compliment. There wouldn't be a Ricky Waters without a Roger Craig. Roger Craig was one of the best running backs in the league for the period of five years. Matter of fact, I had people ask me all the time, you know, during that time, who are my three favorite running backs? And they're always the same. Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, Roger Craig. And of course, you know, I get all kinds of strange eyes at me when I mention Roger Craig, along with the pantheon of greats that include Walter Payton, that include Barry Sanders, that include Earl Campbell, you know, that include John Riggins. Why do I include Roger Craig in my list? And why do I feel Roger Craig deserves a spot in the Hall of Fame? That's long overdue. If you can outline one play. If you can outline one play and one play only. That defines what Roger Craig bought to the brought to the 49ers. Here it is. Roger Craig, still on his feet, still running. 
What a run by Roger Craig. You'll never see a better one than that. That play right there is the one play that can define the toughness, the durability, the running, the ability of one Roger Craig. And how dare you, Ryan McCoffey? Well, he's got three Hall of Famers, Walter Payton, Barry Sanders, Curtis, my favorite, Martin, in the immortal words of Chris Berman. So I can't, I can't hate on Brian McCarthy's list. But come on, NFL, get it right, will you please? If for no other reason, if for no other reason, use this play. And it gives us a little extra weight. Roger Craig, still on his feet, still running. What a run by Roger Craig. You'll never see a better one than that. Fair use, and that was from 1988, Anaheim Stadium, Anaheim, California. But you you have Roger Craig, number 33, deserves to be immortalized, and he deserves to be immortalized in scarlet and gold. He deserves to be immortalized. Some are all saying, Roger Craig gives me chills. Mr. High Stepper himself, High Stepping 33. You know what John Madden said about that particular run? He gets that high knee action, keeps those. Matter of fact, let me roll, let me roll the entire clip again. And I know I'm pissing Rod West off by playing the clip of a running back that actually meant something to an offense, which is something his Patriots have never had because they lean on Tom Brady for many years. But don't care. And it gives us a little extra weight. Roger Craig, still on his feet, still running. What a run by Roger Craig. You'll never see a better one than that. From 46 yards. That's going to be in a lot of highlights for a long time. What an effort by Roger Craig. John Robinson was just saying yesterday, he thinks right now Roger Craig is the best running back in the league. I can see why. You know, he has that thing of getting those knees high and keeping the shoulders low. And he makes every team look like they're bad tacklers. Watch the way he gets that high knee action, keeps those feet going like two pistons. Then at the same time that the knees are going high and keeping going, the shoulder can get low to take on a tackle. He gets those high knee action, keeps those feet going like two pistons, and at the same time, the feet are going high, his shoulders can get low to take on a tackler. That defines Roger Craig. That defines Roger Craig. And again, he was the first running back with a 1,000-1,000 season. The first. If you want to honor him with a Hall of Fame buzz, do it just for that reason alone. I mean, who the hell ever heard of a thousand thousand season? That, of course, was 1985 when he did that. Who the hell ever heard of a thousand thousand season until Roger Craig did it? And by the way, Victor, that came against 
the Dallas Cowboys. The achievement came against the Dallas Cowboys in Week 16 in a game the 49ers had to win to get into the playoffs, and then the next weekend they got obliterated by the New York football giants. And Craig hasn't made a stink about being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Roger Craig is an old school running back. And he should be immortalized, period. He should be immortalized. (laughs) Rub it in, snowman, why don't you? I'm fully aware. I don't think you are, Victor. And I kid when I say that, of course. If for no other reason you put Roger Craig in the Hall of Fame, do it for that. Do it for what he achieved in 1985. Because no one ever, ever, ever knew about an achievement like that until Roger Craig did it. Two others have done it since then. And I've mentioned them, Christian McCaffrey and Marshall Falk. And if you can honor Marshall Falk, with a Hall of Fame induction for the way he affected a game, then you can do the same for Roger Craig because Roger Craig is one of the biggest reasons for that 49ers dynasty. He deserves to be immortalized in Canton, Ohio. That's no man's take. What is yours? To the Fanatics Feedback Zone, Sick Diggy says, Roger Craig, as Mr. McMahon would say, has the grapefruits to run the ball like that. Yep. And he kept, he did it for 12 years. Roger Craig, Marshall Falk, and Christian McCaffrey are the only three with a thousand thousand season. I hope Brees Hall would be fourth on the list. I hope that too, but selfishly, with a full season of McCaffrey being in that 49er offense, I think McCaffrey's going to be the only running back to do it twice, and he'll do it within the next two years. No one thought it was possible. Yeah, true. I want to see Ricky Williams inducted and purposely smoke one on the podium. You know how much trouble you know how much tr- trouble he would get in for that? Who have you seen, Rod West, who have you seen in terms of running backs better than Roger Craig? Do you even know the position? Hmm. Damaso Dempsey should have been in the Hall of Fame years ago. Even Edron James is an HOFer before him. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't get that. And I love Edron James. I love Edron James to the list of running backs that have made it into the Hall of Fame after the time Roger Craig played in the league? You can't tell me, save Barry Sanders, you can't tell me that Roger Craig did not have an impact on playing the jackknife running back. You can't tell me he didn't have an impact on that because without Roger Craig, there's no Ricky Waters. 
And Ricky Waters, for the time he was in San Francisco, embodied what it was like to run the ball that hard and to run over people and through people. Real Wise TV in the house. What's up, my brother? What's up to you? Are y'all snowed in yet? Because we're getting in here. And oh, by the way, Rod West. Roger Craig has three or something your favorite running back does not have. Three Super Bowl titles. Let me say that again, Rod West. Roger Craig has three of something that your favorite running back does not have. Three Super Bowl titles. We're getting in here in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Is is that why you're home today, Vic? I think you said so. I just wanted to confirm. Yeah, Victor's working from home today because this is usually the week where he's in the office. But because of all that white stuff called snow that's on the ground, his job told him, nope, stay home. Headed toward the second hour, and I got to share this story. Speaking of uh, weather playing an impact, when I lived in Gary, Indiana, and I was working for... Uh, We're on our way. Oh, you're on your way to Florida. You lucky dog. Hell, I wish I was on. I wish we were on our way to North Carolina. And I need I need you all's help with with something. I'll talk about that at the top of the hour. Ryan McCarthy, we're going to get snow starting around 10 a.m. Another two to four inches on the ground. Yikes. Let me share this story. When I lived in Gary, Indiana. I was working for Enterprise Rent-A-Car at the time in Maryville. And we got the we got the word that we were going to get absolutely smashed with a snowstorm. So my boss has told me be ready to not come in tomorrow because we were expected to get what we uh, we were expected to get a foot We are stopping in Charlotte to check on my brother. I wish you could have taken us with you. I really wish you could have taken us with you, Wise. So we were warned on radio and on television to go to the store and stock up, which is what I did. I went to Safe Travels indeed, Wise. I went to two different grocery stores. I spent $100 in one and $50 in the other and loaded up my fridge and my cabinets. But I always thought, I I had the thought that, you know, it's not going to be necessary because I'm going to wind up going to work. Well, 6 o'clock that morning, my alarm went off and I just sat up because I was waiting for a phone call. I got the phone call. Boss says, stay home. I passed right out. Which leads to our Wednesday question of the day. For those of you living in cold weather cities, what is the most snow you've had to endure? Like I said, when I, I've, I've had to endure so much living in Chicago for many years, Victor, as you know. 
I mean, it got so bad. When we did the sports section in 2005 at my mom's house, at my parents' house, it was clear. One Friday, I swear to you, it was clear. When Victor and my friend Derek came over, it was clear as day. What's up, Rapid Dave? Hey, hey, hey. One of my beer bros from the uh, Strikeout Beer podcast in the house. Hand pink waving. <laughs> ah, I love you, Rapid Dave. Love you guys. Uh, check out the Strikeout Beer podcast and subscribe to their channel if you haven't already. Hey, Dave, what's the brew for the day? If you... um, I lost my train of thought. Uh, I, I posed the question, what's the most you got slammed with? Living in Chicago for many years. And when Victor and I used to do sports section at my mom's house back in 2005. Man, it was clear. I swear to you it was. We could see the sidewalk. We could see the grass. It was colder than I'll get out. Alvin came over an hour later. And we got smashed with a foot. A foot of snow. I was putting rugs down all by the front door. Uh, Rapid Dave in the house with us. We have two more non-alcoholic beers for tonight. Last week of dry January for us. Cool. I will be sure. Is it 8 p.m. Eastern you guys are on? Is it 8 p.m. Eastern you guys are on? I want to get that. I want to get that right and do a proper promo for Rapid Dave and Company and those over the at the uh, Strikeout Beer Podcast, which I know that it's it is. It's 8 p.m. Eastern. Check them out, y'all. Check them. Check them out. And and Rapid Dave, thanks for coming on and hanging with us in the chat. I appreciate you and I appreciate everybody that's here. But man, we got smacked. When Jody and I were in North Carolina two years ago. Uh, my daughter, Sonia was, um, taking an entrance, taking an entrance exam. Jody and I went to work clear as day, came back. It was snowing, picked up Sonia, got home, got in the house, blew the heat out, made sure everybody was defrosted and warm. You know, the next day it was 61 degrees. And every bit of snow that came down was gone. Every bit of snow that came down was gone. 